Hello and welcome to the 22nd episode of the Top 250 Podcast. I am your host, Sam Kane. Our film today is based on a true story and was adapted from Paolo Lin's 1997 novel, which shares the same title as the movie. The movie is, of course, City of God, an epic crime film set over a period of 20 years in the suburbs of Rio de Janeiro. Now with me today is my sister, Emma, who has volunteered and spent time in Latin America. She even wrote a paper in college um, about our film today. She wrote it in Portuguese. Wow. Uh, Emma, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, now you've studied Spanish since middle school. It was your college major as well. Did you know about this movie before um, you even wrote the paper on it in college? I did not, actually. Um, I was very surprised that I hadn't heard about it when I um, when I heard that it was, you know, a top movie and that it was really a great movie. Um, but I actually heard about it from my Portuguese teacher in college, Um he was from, um, he wasn't from Rio de Janeiro, but he was from Brazil, um, some other part of Brazil, and it was really interesting to hear his perspective on it. So, yeah. So, the first time you saw it was in college then, basically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the first time I saw it was actually probably 10 years ago. You know, something that I thought was crazy, um... I had seen this in 2018, my senior year of college, when I took Portuguese, and I just rewatched it recently, and I did not realize that it was based on a true story. I completely forgot, and it's incredible how at the end, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at the end is when it really comes up that based on a true story, um, and I thought that was amazing. Yeah, that's like blew me away in that moment a little bit yeah so uh the author of the book city of god paulo lynn um it's it's based on his upbringing which was in the favelas um around this time period so i i was trying to look online and see like what is actually real and what's not i was trying to find more details on that but it's not quite clear um, if these characters are real people he grew up with, um, you know, like Rocket or even uh, Lil Zay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I couldn't find much on it, but I guess the the book is written in vignettes. It's it's not really structured the way the film is, where Rocket is um our main character our protagonist he's also the narrator he's like an omnipresent narrator um you know he's telling us what's going on in pretty much every scene for the most part uh giving us the background even in um you know scenes he's not part of he's not present in so mm -hmm. um i'm really interested in reading the book um, apparently took a while for them to translate the book into English. I read an article. It said uh, the reason the English version has taken so long to appear is that 
It was previously regarded as untranslatable. The thick Rio slang, musical, dirty, funny, and full of grammatical grammatical errors has no Anglo-Saxon equivalent. So I guess that's true with a lot of Portuguese. It's hard to, to translate. You know, I have heard that, that it can be very hard to translate. And with any language, um, the slang, the regional, you know, sayings and stuff like that, it's going to be really hard to translate. Could you tell the listeners uh, where you volunteered in South America? So I lived in Colombia. Um, at first, I was doing my training in coastal Colombia. Um, if anyone's familiar with Colombia, right outside of Barranquilla. And then I went down to the Andes Mountains for my permanent site. Um, I was probably about six or so hours from Brazil, um, from the border. So um, not too close, but um, yeah, it was a great experience. I was, I think I was about four hours from Bogota. And yeah, it was really wonderful. So it was recent, and then you had to come home because of uh, you know, the pandemic hitting. Right. Now, was there anything that stood out to you this time, especially after being in Latin America in a location um, with kind of a similar poverty line? Yeah, so um, something that I feel like I tended to notice the most, like, the setting of the film, like, that was something that really brought my attention. Um, the types of housing there um, is very similar in Colombia. Um, and just, you know, favela is a Portuguese term, um, and it normally refers to, you know, Brazil. Um, and the favelas in Rio de Janeiro, um, right outside, are some of the worst in the world, um, regarded as some of the worst in the world. Um, in Bogota, which I have visited a couple of times, um, they also have favelas, but um, favela isn't the word in Spanish. Um, you would say, I'm trying to remember what they would say. But anyways, um, so in Spanish as well, um, when you say like the suburbs, um, it's normally regarded as something like a favela. So if you say I'm, for example, in my case, I used to say I'm from the suburbs of Boston and people would look at me like, ooh, (laughs) Um, but it's, you know, it's just different. In Spanish, it's suburbios. So it's just, you know, it's interesting how it really changes from environment to environment. Um, Another thing that I noticed a lot about the setting is just... um, you know, there were, there was housing where, um, it was more like the terracotta brick, but, um, I saw a little bit of like the tarps and stuff like that. Um, that was something that was big in Colombia that, um, people would live in kind of like tarp structures. Um, and people would kind of just live off of what they could find. Um, and I actually, when I was on the coast, I lived about two blocks away from, Um, a street that was all, you know, people that um, lived in the tarps and that kind of stuff. And I was always told, don't go over there. Don't, don't go over there. Those are where the the poor people live. And, you know, there's, I think, hierarchy and 
stuff like that. There's in that culture, it can be a little bit of, you know, they look down upon, um, the people that have less money. Um, you know, that's, I think that's a pretty common thing even in our culture, but it's very intense there. Um, so just, um, stuff like that. I was just noticing, um, now, do you think crime like this, with gangs having, like, the most power in favelas, underpaid corrupt cops working with them instead of against them, you know, very young children getting involved with groups like this so early on, do you think this still happens, or is this is this something that uh, has gotten better with over time? Because this movie takes place in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, this this 100% I believe still happens. Um I know that in Colombia from my experience, um the police officers were not often to be trusted. Um we were told that, you know, it was a possibility that police officers could try to rob us. Um and stuff like that. What? Um, That's crazy. And yeah, and so I I believe that um, a lot of times the police officers will work with um, certain gangs or um, there's something in Colombia called the FARC, which kind of works with the cartel. Um, and it's not as big as it used to be. It's gotten a lot better, but um, it still exists. And I'm not quite sure about Brazil just because I haven't been there, but from what I've heard, it seems like this kind of stuff still happens today. Yeah, that's, it's really crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe like even the cops are, are so corrupt and everything like that. It sounds like they just don't get paid a lot. Right, and it's not all cops. It's um, It's just, you know, there are a good amount of dirty cops out there that, you know, will do anything for money, so... God, that's wild. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, looking on the movie here, um, it was shot on super 16-millimeter film, so if you notice, it gives it a less polish and uh, more of a grittier look. I mean, it almost looks like a documentary style, um, kind of like we're mm-hmm. beside the characters. It, it really adds to the realism. It's, it's sad. It's almost like... Uh, the whole movie, we're just, it is in one loop. It's like a never-ending cycle of crime where, you know, very few people have a chance to succeed, and uh, it seems like no one's really learning from past mistakes. At the end of the movie, we see more young kids, and, you know, it seems like they're going to go on to um, live a life of crime, unfortunately, being involved in gangs. It was, it was very unconventional. It wasn't a typical Hollywood movie plot structure. Um, it is kind of like, like the book. It's vignettes, but I, I was so impressed by just the, the cinematography and editing of this movie. It's probably <laughs> the best I've seen in a movie ever. And yeah. I'm I'm completely serious. Um, I um I had to immediately look up who who did uh, the editing, um, as well as who was behind the camera. And um, 
It looks like some of them came to America and worked on some films. Uh, the editor, Daniel Rosendi, he, uh, he also edited some uh, American movies. He did um, re- the remake of RoboCop and uh, The Tree of Life. Yeah, some of these uh some of these guys behind the scenes ended up doing uh you know, movies that were uh, big American releases, but uh some of them were filmed um in other locations in the world. Um all of his movies, at least one scene takes place in Brazil it looks like. I I forgotten how um how amazing the uh, cinematography was in this movie. Right. Like there was one part that um that really got my eye was um when he was so when Rocket was taking the pictures, um and he was taking the pictures through, um he was kind of hidden and he was taking them um from behind the cement and it was just little um squares open squares and he was taking pictures of um i think it was lil zay he was getting he had gotten arrested Mm -hmm. and he was kind of taking pictures of the cops um asking him for you know his money his jewelry stuff like that and then eventually letting him go and then just i i was absolutely shocked when you know all of a sudden the the young boys come out of nowhere and they you know Lil Zay is saying like okay let's get back to work I'm broke I need to you know get back on track and then they end up killing him so shocking and then um basically the pictures are just kind of uh um of Lil Zay you know laying on the ground dead and I think that was incredible just the way that they filmed it um behind the cement wall is very interesting yeah it's from the lens of his camera i don't know do you think uh an american newspaper would print a photo like that on the front page probably not okay i was gonna say that too i was like (laughs) i was thinking like don't don't bring that picture you're gonna lose your job and then they're like yep here it is (laughs) uh yeah Imagine being a kid and um, being a young kid and seeing that in the newspaper. You have to grow up pretty fast. But, you know, the same could be said about all the, you know, crazy American movies and video games. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I enjoyed uh, the club scene. Oh, there's a couple Mm -hmm. club scenes. Um, And there's actually some American music in... um, the club mm-hmm. scene they had uh, kung fu fighting by carl douglas they had some uh james brown as well since uh it's the 70s but um i am aware that like a lot of uh a lot of american music will make its way to uh other parts of the world even in um you know countries where english isn't the most uh uh dominant language right I um I thought it was interesting how they they did show, you know, the 70s and I guess maybe you wouldn't really think that the influence of, you know, the disco and the 70s um from the US would just be completely widespread around other countries and stuff like that. I thought that was really interesting to see. 
So say what character do you like the most? But most of them were really bad. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I guess it's either Benny or Rocket, <laughs> or or it yeah. could be Angela, Angelica. Your name. Um, I I'm sorry, I forgot the name, but Rocket's older brother. Oh, Goose. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that character. Um, I remember a scene where he was saying to Rocket, like, no, you know, you need to stay in and you need to study because you're smart and you're going to go somewhere, basically. Um, so he really just wanted what was best for his little brother. Um, and also just, you know, saying things to him like, don't ever touch this gun. This is not for you. Um, so I, I kind of like how he motivated his brother to do that, even though maybe his little brother could have helped him out um, in some way with um, the different stuff that he would do. Um, he really just wanted his little brother to succeed. So I thought that was great. Yeah, and the thing about the um, Tender Trio is that they didn't kill anyone. I mean, I think they were trying to get out, and that's why they did the the robbery. But, my God, what is wrong with Lil Dice? I don't, I don't know. I know. With this guy's... There, there is just something off with that kid. Yeah. That... You could always tell, too. You were like, this is going to be a bad one. <laughs> yeah. This is a... Uh... This is, uh, this is quite a, uh, a movie villain, I'd say. Really has uh, not many redeeming qualities at all. He's uh, he's not good looking. I don't think he's funny or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just obsessed with being the baddest dude around. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to murder as many people as he could um anyone that crossed him the wrong way or even innocent people um he would just murder them to you know benefit himself i do think it's interesting how he kind of made the favelas peaceful at one point but i mean Mm -hmm. he did it by murdering all the other gang members but it meant that you know, there wasn't as much crime in the streets since it was really just him running the game. Um, for me personally, at least, I kind of viewed him as someone who didn't have emotions, um, you know, kind of like a psychopath um, or a sociopath, someone that really has no remorse, has no real emotions. But then when I believe it's Benny, when Benny passed away, um, he was so broken and you actually saw emotion out of him that you really hadn't seen before um, besides anger. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. You really don't don't see (laughs) much from him at all besides that. And, you know, it just ends up leading to more anger, unfortunately. I couldn't really understand at first why there was... A part of the movie where um, Rocket was in a relationship with Angela. Is it Angela or Angelica? It's uh, Angelica. 
Um, yeah, there's like a, a little segment where it seems like they're going to be in a relationship and then eventually Benny comes along and, um, yeah, everyone likes Benny. He ends up uh, basically stealing Angelica away right. from Rocket. And, you know, if it was another character in the favela, maybe they retaliate. To right. violence and it's, jealousy. it's interesting because he he was such a nice guy like he was a good character um and you you want to like him so badly but then he just kind of represents like that guy that you always wanted to be but never were and it just <laughs> makes you a little mad because you know i always want to root for the underdog so yeah that's true yeah he was the the coolest guy in the city of god as Carrot said, I think it was Carrot. Um, yeah, and then I thought the uh, rocket eventually working as a, a photographer at the newspaper um, place was uh, was very cool as well. That he eventually was able to find his way out by doing that. He was one of the very few who did. Right. But, yeah, it really has the feeling that this was a true story that really happened, especially with introducing the characters. Um, at the beginning, you have a tender trio. You had Shaggy, Clipper, and Goose. Mm-hmm. Now, one, one of them, uh, Clipper, he just he went on to work in the church, and that's... Pretty sure that's the last we hear of him. Right. He just that that that's it. He's like not in the movie anymore. But the others, uh, you know, meet an unfortunate demise. Um, I'd say my uh, my favorite scene in the movie. It's really tragic, but um, um, when Shaggy's trying to escape with his girlfriend. In the favela, he's outside pushing the car to get it going. Um, his girlfriend's still inside. Then uh, the cops start shooting him. He gets shot once, runs off to the side, yells for his girlfriend to escape. And then from basically his girlfriend's POV in the car, we see Shaggy running outside past different housing buildings, projects, and... Um, you know, it's the fact that we know that Shaggy's not getting away. Like, we know the cops are going to catch up to him because we can mm-hmm. see that he's struggling, but we're almost forced to to watch as, uh, as he slowly struggles and his girlfriend mm-hmm. sees it all. It's, just, it's so sad, but it's, also, it's very cinematic at the same time. Right. It's very... It's interesting how in a lot of parts of the movie and almost most parts of the movie, it's like you're forced to watch stuff that you really would rather close your eyes for. Like I remember um, my least favorite part of the movie uh, was when there was the two little boys and um, they had them, you know, kind of pinned up against the wall and um, they were, you know, very upset the littlest one was crying and they were trying to decide which one they were going to kill. Um, I think it's very upsetting to, you know, watch two 
two little children just so upset. Um, and oh, that yeah. scene definitely stuck with me. Yeah, that that's uh, probably one of the the more talked about scenes in the movie that was just so shocking that that's really what I remembered the movie for for years right. after not seeing it and I knew as I was watching the movie again there was a lot I was seeing I was like oh yeah that's right this happens oh that's right he ends up um, you know befriending the reporter lady but mm -hmm. um you know, towards the beginning, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to see this scene again with the right. two boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch. There's there's so much killing in this movie. Um, and uh, it's it's almost like kind of ironic that it's called the city of God when you just see. <laughs> you you would just imagine there's there's not a god in this place like there's that quote in the movie why remain in the city of god where god has forgotten you yeah it's it's crazy and it's also just you know it's sad to see this visibly disturbing stuff but it's also sad to just think about the concept of you know this is based on a real story um there are places like this in the world, in Brazil, outside of Rio, and it's just, you know, it's it's very sad to think about how, you know, so many people just want a chance or good people that just want to pick themselves up and, you know, try to live a better life, have a better life for their family and their kids, but, or just for themselves, and it's just... And it's just so hard. It's like the never-ending cycle of poverty that just keeps pulling them down. Um, like, maybe, you know, you can kind of see that not a lot of people get out. And most people that tried to get out of that cycle in the movie ended up dying. So um, I think that was also kind of symbolic that, you know, this this is something that goes on. And it's not just that easy to get out of for these people um you know it's easier said than done and I always kind of think you know don't don't ever blame the people blame the system so it's just you know it's a it's a system and it's it's not just Brazil it's everywhere it's in the U.S. everywhere so that's also something um to think about while watching this movie I mean here though it it just seems like they're they're not even trying to, the government's not even trying to like like throw a rope to these people help them out it's it's like they're just they're kind of stuck there yeah something that I was like kind of confused about is because when you were just saying that I remembered that at the beginning they were putting up um, like a a light pole or they they were putting light in um do you remember that part well, they're yeah. putting like a telef or like a telephone pole that like bring light to the um to the favela, and then I it never ended up happening. I don't think, but um. So I think what yeah. happened was that they were trying to get more people out of Rio de Janeiro. Uh, this this is what I read that they wanted to move people out into the suburbs. So I mm -hmm. I believe this probably started around 
the time the movie takes place in the 1960s that you know they were trying to uh, build these communities. They didn't shoot this in the favelas. It would have been too dangerous, but they shot in um, locations not terribly far away that uh, could double as uh, the actual favelas in Brazil. Right. So, um, and that's something that was kind of interesting about Bogota too, because um, we had, well, we had a lot of places that we weren't allowed to go. Um, like the, the favelas of Bogota, we weren't allowed to get anywhere near them. Um, but you could kind of see them, um, you know, on the sides of hills and stuff. Um, but I don't know any American who would try to step foot in there. Do they not really come into your area that much, people from that area? Yeah, no, I think um, maybe to work if they work um, in the city. But, um, but yeah, I don't, there, there isn't really tourism there or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard from, you know, locals that are like, oh, you know, that's where you would go to get drugs. <laughs> really? Yeah, Emma, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah. The the movie I wouldn't say is quite fun, but uh, you know, it's certainly right. certainly uh something I would recommend to all movie lovers. Uh it's a very very cinematic movie. It's uh it's tragic. Right. Yeah.